0: letter to the church at Galatians, we're going to be reading from the sixth chapter, Um, and we're going to be reading verses 7 through 9. This is a, a practical passage. This is one of those passages that you ought to have underlined in your Bible. If you don't have it underlined, you really should because it's such a practical teaching passage. Friends, we believe this is God's Word. We believe that it is infallible and that it is inerrant. We believe that when life is lived at best, it's lived according to this word. And we believe that when life comes off the rail, very often it's because we go away from this word. So this is God's word for us. Would you please stand as we share it together? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. That's important. You reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right. For we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It's been a lot of years now, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, There was a commercial fishing boat. The name of the boat was Can-Do. And the commercial fishing boat, Can-Do, began to take on water off the coast of South Carolina. "'We took on a bad wave,' said Greg Palmer." He was one of the four crewmen aboard. It filled up quickly, he said, faster than I ever thought it could. Those crewmen, those four crewmen, were Stacy Chansey of Jacksonville, who didn't make it to the rescue raft, Tommy Waters of Tybee Island, Georgia, who became ill later in the day on Sunday, Greg Palmer of Raleigh, North Carolina, and Robert Lewis Watson of Pensacola, Florida. And after Chansey and Waters had died, Palmer and Watson just waited and waited and waited. The boat had gone down. They were on their life raft, and they waited and prayed through Sunday and Monday and on Tuesday. And then on Tuesday, after surviving 70-plus hours on that rescue raft, Robert Watson, 27 years old, said, I can't take this anymore. And he moved to the stern of the raft, jumped off, and disappeared beneath the water. One hour later, one hour later, a Coast Guard jet spotted that raft, and a helicopter rescued Greg Palmer. I'm convinced that if Robert Watson had known he had only one more hour, I am absolutely sure that if he had known he had just one more hour to wait, he would have somehow found a way to do it. But sometimes when you can't see all the way to the help and to the hope, when you can't see the possibility of a new thing, when you can't see the chance that things may be better, sometimes you just want to quit and give up because you're just tired of waiting. The scripture today says don't stop doing what's right because eventually you will reap the harvest if you don't give up. I want to begin today by saying this to you. The law of reaping and sowing isn't just an agricultural reality. It's a life principle. Don't ever forget that. The law of reaping and sowing is a life principle. It's like the law of gravity in that it works consistently. It's true for every single person. And it always fascinates me to read a scripture like this and to to see that this passage, a passage like this, isn't here to warn us. This passage isn't here to scare us. This passage isn't one of those passages where God says, I gotcha, because that's not how God operates. This is not a passage where God is pointing his finger at us and saying, you'd better straighten up or you're going to go. No, this is a passage that's simply saying to you and to me, this is how life operates. And so for a few minutes this morning... I'd like to take this passage, and I'd like to step back from it, and I'd like to draw a couple of observations out of it, things that maybe we can use as we look at our own lives and as we go through this season of Lent when we're supposed to be looking inward. For instance, this passage reminds us that there is always a temptation to want to give up when results don't come quickly. Have you noticed we live in an age of immediacy? We want it now. And the truth is, whatever we want now, we can pretty much get now, right? We live in the age of immediacy. I was thinking back again this week about how the single most pivotal event in the entire Old Testament is what's known as the Exodus. You familiar with the Exodus? It's the account of how the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt and had been for generations and generations, and God wanted to lead them out of slavery to freedom all the way from Egypt to Canaan, what is modern-day Israel, and then into the Promised Land. And he chose Moses to be the person who would do that. Now, you need to know that this is the towering turning point event in all of history for the Jewish people. This is. And you most certainly have heard about it and or have read about it. I've actually made that journey. I have on a bus traveled from Israel to Egypt It's a two-full-day driving experience depending upon where the cruise control is set. But in that time, in the time of Moses and and the Exodus, even traveling by caravan and by camel, you could make that journey in, I don't know, 10, 12, 13, 14, I don't know. You could do it. But it took them... 40 years it took them 40 years and a major part of the reason it took them that long was because God didn't lead them directly out instead he took them down to the south and he took them into the wilderness and they wandered around there and it took them a very very long time to get where they were going and they got tired and they got discouraged, and they wanted to quit, and they wanted to go back to slavery because freedom wasn't coming fast enough. My friends, there is a critically important spiritual lesson here that you need to get today. God isn't usually going to take you from where you are directly to where he wants you to be. I'm going to say it again. God isn't usually going to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be because there is great value in the wilderness. <laughs> oh, you're not paying attention this morning, are you? There's great, great value in the wilderness because some of life's most powerful lessons are learned as we matriculate through the university of adversity. Amen? Oh, my gosh, you're not with us today. Amen? Amen. All right. <clears throat> there is great value in the wilderness, but you rarely see the value of it when you're in the wilderness. Don't you think God could have zapped them from where, he, where they were to where he wanted them to be? Don't you think God could have done anything he wanted to? Of course he could. He was God. But while... They were in the wilderness. While they were going through the most difficult and painful times, while they were going through the most uncertain times, it was then that they learned they could trust God and God was faithful. You learn a lot about a person's character when they go through hard times. But you also learn a lot about the character of our God when you go through a hard time. The the Bible uses language like, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, you can walk through the valley of whatever it is and you will learn that in the valley, God is faithful too. God can be trusted. And he is faithful I would even venture to say it this way, most people don't learn much about God's faithfulness and God's grace until they've been through some pain and difficulty. Somebody once said, you don't realize God is all you need until God is all you have. I want you to hear today that regardless of where you are or what you are going through at this moment, God is faithful And he isn't going to leave you. I've had so many people say, I've gone through this and I've gone, where was God? Where was God? God is faithful. Regardless of what you're going through, he's faithful. The other side of this, in the wilderness when things don't happen quickly enough, have you ever wanted God to do things quicker than He did? Have you ever prayed for something and said, God, please, if you would take care of this quickly, I'd appreciate it. God, I I really, really want you to do, get, get them, Lord, get them. Most of the time, well, maybe almost all the time, God doesn't operate on your time schedule. But he does operate faithfully. If you look at the temptations of Jesus, for instance, Jesus began his ministry in the wilderness. Do you remember that? The scripture tells us that it was out there where he was tempted and those temptations primarily took the form of wanting to take the shortcut Read Luke chapter 4. Those temptations given to Jesus were to take the quick way, the the least resistance, rather than the way of learning and teaching and planting and nurturing and sowing. And so there's a great temptation for us to try to take the shortcuts of life. Or if we don't find a shortcut, we often want to give up. But the admonition of Scripture is this, don't quit when what you're doing is good. So it's important for us to begin by understanding that that God is faithful even when you don't feel it. God is working even when you don't feel it. We We base so much of our lives on feelings. I don't feel it. I just don't feel it. I want you to hear today, God is greater than your feelings. God is faithful beyond what you may or may not be feeling at the moment. Here's the second observation that comes out of this scripture, and it's kind of a corollary to the first, and it is this. There is always a lag time between planting and harvesting. There's always a lag time between planting and harvesting. I don't know very much about agriculture. I've never been a farmer. But I do know this. I know that if you fail to plant in the springtime and two or three or four days before harvest, you say, oh, my goodness, i got to plant. You're not going to get there. And the reason is there's a lag time between planting and harvesting. And in that time, you do your part. You do the tilling and the weeding and the watering, and God does his part, and and something beautiful comes, comes to be. There's a great passage in the Bible that says, those who wait upon the Lord, you know it, don't you? Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint when was the last time you you waited on God when was the last time you took seriously God's admonition to be still and know that I am God when was the last time you waited for God to bring about what he wanted to bring about rather than you sabotaging it by settling for less I said a lot there And you need to get that this morning. Those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. You learn a great deal about the character and character of others when you have to wait. But most people, when they pray, they want immediate results. Lord, here's what I want. Please give it to me now. Do it now. I'm in pain. Take care of it now. But there's always a lag time between what you planting your prayer, planting your desires, planting your hopes, offering them up to God, offering them up to God, offering them up to God. There's always a lag time between you planting that and God bringing it into harvest. You learn a great deal about your character when you have to wait. But the truth is, most people are terrible at waiting. Rabbi, Her- Rabbi Harold Kushner, you've heard that name. Rabbi Harold Kushner once said, I have seen weak people become strong. I have seen timid people become brave. I've seen selfish people become generous and people care for elderly parents and brain-damaged children and wives in wheelchairs for years, even decades, and I've often asked myself, where do people get the strength to keep on doing that? Where do they get the resources? And the only answer I can come up with is that when we're weary and out of strength, God, can, God does what only God can do, and that is He gives us the strength we need. Too often, when we don't see things happening quickly enough, we want to push God I'm going to say something very, very personal to you here, and I want you to hear this. In too many relationships, in too many relationships where people love each other and care about each other, they want God to move and act and and, and do something quickly. And God is waiting to see if you trust him and will you wait on him. Because all too often, people settle for less than their worth because they don't wait on what God has for them. All too often, people settle for less than their worth. They settle for mediocre or good when God wants wonderful and beautiful for you. There's always going to be a lag time between your prayer and the harvest that it, com- that it brings. Will you please hear that this morning? Will you please hear that whatever prayer you offer up, offer up this prayer as well. God, your timing is what's important. Do you remember when Jesus was uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember that? Remember when he was praying there? And he offers up this prayer, and basically his prayer went something like this. He said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, let thy will be done. Remember that? If it is possible, Father, let this cup... I don't want this, Father. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When was the last time you said to God, nevertheless? Nevertheless, God, whatever you want is what I want. Lord, you know what I want. You know how painful this is. You know how difficult this is. You know, dear God, And instead of saying to God, get me out of it now, take me out of this, God, I I don't want to feel, when was the last time you said, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done? In what area of your life today might you need to pray that? Or in what area of your life might you need to pray that for a loved one? Sometimes we want to rescue people and God wants us to just trust Him. In what area do you today need to pray, Dear God, you know what I want. Nevertheless, your will be done. Are you courageous enough to pray that prayer? Are you courageous enough to pray that prayer over and over and over? Are you you courageous enough to do that? I mean, it's easy to be Christian when things are going well. It's easy to be Christian and and to say to people, I believe in Jesus and I'm following Jesus. It's easy to do that when everything is going fine. But what about when it isn't? Do you have the courage to pray, thy will be done? That's important. It's important for you to hear. It's important for you to ask yourself that kind of question. Then there's one last truth I want to point out this morning, and I think it's probably the most important. We will ultimately harvest what we plant. Now listen to this carefully. It says, if you don't give up, the time will come when you will harvest. This, too, is a basic fundamental principle in life. If you plant corn, you're not going to get beans. If you plant okra, you're not going to get wheat. God doesn't play tricks on us, this, on this. Listen, listen. Our harvest, the harvest. Our harvest will be the result of what we have done with our attitudes, our actions, our convictions, and our beliefs. I'm going to say it again. Our harvest, this thing that's out here, our harvest will always be what we have done with our attitudes, our actions, our convictions, our beliefs, the totality of our lives. And so that's either going to come as a word of encouragement to some or a word of caution to others. But the season of Lent is a time to ask yourself hard questions. What am I doing with my life? As I stand back and as I look at my life, am I, am I, I mean, tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Because God Won't correct what you're not willing to confront. The season of Lent is a time to stand back and say, Dear God, point out to me things that need to change. You know, they say the the definition of insanity is to do things the way you've always done them and expect different results. You've heard that before? The season of Lent is a time to stand back and say, Dear God, point it out to me. Now listen carefully. God may point it out to you, but only you can take the steps to make the trajectory change. Does that make any sense? God may point it out to you. God may point it out in your dreams. He may point it out in your gut. He may point it, other people may say things to you, whatever it might be, but at some point, only you can take the steps to make the trajectory change because as long as you continue to do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. The season of Lent is a time to ask hard questions. So to the people here today who are sowing seeds of goodness and faithfulness and godliness godliness and values, this is a good thing. But to the people here today, as you stand back and as you look at your life, the people here today who are sowing seeds of selfishness and negativity, And unkindness, this is a word of caution. Because if you do what you've always done, you will get what you've always got. God doesn't play tricks on us with this. And God, listen to this, God will put people in your life. How many of you, this is a good question for you to think about, how many of you today have people in your life who love you enough to tell you the truth? Do you have people in your life who love you enough to tell you the unvarnished truth? Oh, people can be kind and they they can die. Yes, yes, I think you're this and I think... The people that are valuable to you are the people who love you enough to tell you the truth. The question is, what will you do about that? You will harvest what you have sown. And if you are, I almost said lucky, but if you are blessed, you'll have a handful of people, two, three, four, you'll have a handful of people who love you enough to look at you and say, I love you, but you need to hear this. Do you have those kind of people in your life? I hope you do. I hope you do. Because change rarely happens when it feels good. Change rarely happens when you're just feeling great about yourself. Sometimes people will come along and say, you better change this or this has got to change. You know what they're trying to do? They're not trying to beat up on you. They're not trying to tear you down. They're not trying to make you look bad. They're trying to love you. you get to make the decision about whether you receive that or not. Because not I I would venture to say, most of the time when people love you, they will say things to you occasionally that are hard to hear. So I'll ask the question one more time. Do you have people in your life who love you enough to tell you the unvarnished truth? my encouragement to you is hang on to them. Hang on to them because they will keep you between the ditches if you'll pay attention. There will always be a lag time between what you plant and and, and what comes to fruition. That's just kind of how it works. I understand we operate on the I want it now principle, but that's not how heaven handles it. I understand we do, but that's not how God sees it. But the Scripture reminds us that we will will harvest what we've planted. So as we close this morning and as we begin our journey into the Lenten season, here's my challenge to you. Have the courage to find people who love you enough to tell you the truth. Have the courage to invite them into your life. You know what happens with us all too often when people say something difficult to us? You know what happens to us? We stiff-arm them. We push them out. We push them out because it hurts. I want to invite you in this season to look for those people, to draw them in, And to give them permission, give them permission to tell you the truth. Not because they're angry at you, not because they want to hurt you, but because they love you. And I would even say this, you can offer a prayer of thanksgiving to God above that you have people like that in your life. So again, one more time, do you have those people? Find them, find them, connect to them, and give them permission to say things to you that may not feel good. And what you will find is with watering and time and season, your life will begin to change because those folks who are telling you that are the voice of God to you so please pay attention. Rarely, in fact, I can tell you, this is a personal thing, I can tell you that God has never, ever, ever spoken from heaven and said, Bobby, you need to do this. That is not, that's not how God, you know how God speaks to me? The people in my life. People in my life. Do you have those, those people? What are you sowing with your life? If you want to change trajectory, if you want to change trajectory, have the courage to say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And Lord, please point out to me the people who love me enough to tell me the truth. So as we begin this Lenten season together... I want to invite you to come if you want to kneel and pray here at the altar. And I want to be very specific about my invitation this morning. I want to be specific and say to you offer a prayer of God to God inviting him, inviting him to point out areas that need to change. Otherwise, just don't bother going through Lent. Invite Him to point out areas that need to change. Ask Him to give you the courage to say nevertheless. And beg, beg if you need to, beg God to put people in your life who will tell you the truth. They will become voices of God. As our praise team is playing this morning, <clears throat> I'm just going to invite you to come and kneel and pray. This is how we close our worship services. And I have no earthly idea or clue what's going on with you. <laughs> Sometimes people will say to me, you preach that sermon to me today. I want you to know I had nobody in mind today. Well, that's not true. I had me in mind. Because I need, I need this. My father used to say, Always remember, son, when one finger is pointing out, three are pointing back at you. I want to invite you to come and kneel and pray and just give God permission in this season to move in your life. So at this time, you're invited to come.